Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., as in Frank, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, January 8th, 2019, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today, we are reading from the big book, and we are in the doctor's opinion on page XXVIII. We will be reading and commenting on the first paragraph, which begins with, we believe and so suggested, and ends with, astonishingly difficult to solve. Today's readers are Laura A., Elaine H., Sally P., Vinnie T., and Deborah S. The share IDs for yesterday, Monday, January 7th, 2019's meetings are... 12,388, that's 12388 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, and 12,390, that's 12390 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Laura A. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning. This is Laura A., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New Hampshire. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
We try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me do service. I pass. Thank you, Laura A. I will now ask Elaine H. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Good morning. This is Elaine H. from Dallas. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon a OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous have no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me read. Thank you for reading, Elaine H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic in literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker's should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in the doctor's opinion on page XXVIII. We will be reading and commenting on the first paragraph, which begins with, we believe in so suggested, and ends with astonishingly difficult to solve. I will now ask Sally P. to go ahead and read that for us. Thank you, everyone. This is Sally P. from Colorado. And Thank you, moderator. I really appreciate the joy in your voice before the meeting started. It was so welcoming. Um, we believe and so suggested a few years ago that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy, that the phenomenal craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. 
and once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon things human, their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult, astonishingly difficult to solve. Well, oh, so much. I have to start off by saying, doctor's opinion, where have you been all my life and all of my recovery? How I miss this part of the book puzzles me. Uh, 37 years in the rooms, and I don't think I read it once. Nor do I ever really remember it being discussed in meetings. Um, being a skid row binger, I had no problem placing, replacing the word alcohol for food in the big book. The stories really helped me. Um, I needed tough love, and I still do, and I could see myself in those stories. But about 14 months ago, after trying another food plan, I hit a new emotional bottom. I was sick and tired of manipulating the food, being obsessed with exercise to lose weight, and I realized I was a dry drunk. I knew there had to be more of this program than dieting with group support. Well, usually my experience is when I hit new bottoms and the pain is so horrible, I'm finally open to guidance, and of course, God showed up in a big way. Um, it was then that I was led to a food recovery program that uses the 12 steps. Um, this was my form of hospitalization. They talk about it in the book. Um, I was told by a friend that I needed to have a beginner's mind when I started, and that I did. There were many times in this experience where I was rolling my eyes, especially when they told me I had to weigh and measure my food while I was there. I had to identify my red foods and say goodbye to them. They even took my coffee mate powdered creamer away from me, which my husband called it my crap because I carried it with me all the time. So the next step was to crack open this big book, and I was told that when I leave, I had to have a sponsor and work these steps or else I would eat again. Well, this scared the crap out of me because I honestly believed this was my last chance. I was also told about this Vision for You meeting, and there I could find a sponsor and build a tribe of support. I have worked these steps with desperation, and here I am, 14 months later in recovery, having a recovery I had no clue was possible. All I wanted when I came was to lose 5 or 10 pounds and have Sally with food. Well, I was given much more than that, and I thank Vision for taking me through this book day by day and giving me a new experience that I never knew was possible. My God experience was in my head, and now it's in my heart. There are days where I feel God micromanaging my life and it just blows me away. Who would think that what I considered absent foods were keeping me in bondage and blocked from this amazing power we call God? That I have an allergy to ingredients that were healthy for some but not for me? That I could put those foods down and no longer crave them? That I could have neutrality with food? I used to say that if I could add up all the hours I spent thinking about my body, how to lose weight, that I could have earned five PhDs in my life. Right now, my recovery is number one. This was designed for living. That's absolutely fantastic. There are days where I feel like I'm living heaven on earth because this book educated me as to what was wrong with me and these 12 steps continue to produce in me that psychic change so I can live happy, joyous, and free. And I can't wait to meet some of you at the L.A. birthday party. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sally T. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Tina S. I heard Tina S. And was it Kim G.? Yes. All right. I got you both. Did I miss someone there? 
Who else then? Ida A. Ida A. Next. Nancy R. Nancy R. And someone with a very quiet voice. Candy S. Was it Candy S? F is in Frank, thank you. And who else was that? Christina O. Christina O. Okay, how about if we stop there with Tina S, Kim G, Ida A, Nancy R, Candy F, and Christina O. And I don't know how that happened, that everyone was uh, left gaps between each other and I was able to get the names. I'm like, flabbergasted. Thank you. Tina S., go right ahead. Thanks so much for your service, Rebecca. Tina S., recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a paragraph. You know, and thanks so much for the woman who shared got a lot of, lot of good experience, strength, and hope from that, and I can certainly relate, and that's why I keep getting on this line, you know. And it's, I love that it talks about, you know, we suggest that maybe you take a look at what I have written in this paragraph here that uh, chronic alcoholics, you know, long time, you know, something that is chronic is over time. Is and it's a manifestation of an allergy, abnormal reaction to food, substance, or beverage. And I had that, you know. And and what really caught up for me was that my reliance upon things human and what somebody else could do for me didn't work anymore. That's what, why I really had to start looking at, at my allergy of the body because I couldn't solve any of my problems and you couldn't solve them either. And, and the, the reason being was once I put a substance of food or any other substance that I had an allergic reaction to into my body, I couldn't function. I could not think of anything else other than how I was going to get the food, if I was going to get the food, when I was going to get the food, or if I wanted to or didn't want to. And, you know, to today I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. And, you know, one of the things that I know and was shared earlier that thank you, God, for Dr. Silkworth and the allergy of the body concept because when I got here I thought that was just a big escape, you know, big excuse. And today I know that I believe in this. I truly do. And with that, I have a shot to go on with the rest of the steps to have a psychic change and a transformation. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Tina S. Kim G. Good morning, Rebecca. Oops, I my timer. Um, good morning, morning everyone. Morning. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Allergy, phenomenon of craving, never occurs in the average temperance drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. This was critical, critical information for me. You know, this allergy was confusing to me, but I'm going to talk actually about a regular allergy just to talk about my thinking for my food and the thinking of another allergy. So if somebody is allergic to strawberry and they break out in a rash, I don't think they have poor moral character. I don't think that they're weak-willed. I don't think that they're a bad person. I understand that they have an abnormal reaction to a strawberry. I also would think they're kind of crazy if they think that they could have a strawberry maybe from California versus Georgia, or maybe if they had it in jam versus a fresh strawberry, or maybe if they ate it frozen, they wouldn't have the allergic reaction. 
So I had to understand for myself, if I have this allergy to certain foods, I do not have poor moral character. I am not weak-willed and I'm not a bad person. I have an abnormal reaction to certain substances. But I also have to fully concede it doesn't matter what form I have it in, my body is not going to care. My body just knows an allergic substance was put into my body. You know, one of my favorites I've heard over the last couple of years is someone says they're allergic to sugar, but it's only recreational sugar. Like if the sugar's in a cheesecake versus in a whole wheat muffin, it's going to make a difference. If I'm allergic to sugar, then it's sugar in any form. If I'm allergic to fat, it's fat in any form. You know, the phenomenon of craving, the way I like to describe it for myself is I cannot reasonably predict what's going to happen. You know, I use the idea that if you had said, Kim, if, uh, my favorite food is a tomato. Kim, if you have one tomato every day, 30 days, no more, no less, I'll give you $100,000. I could make that money easily. But if you say, Kim, I'll give you a million dollars. If you have two slices of pizza, no more, no less for 30 days, I'll give you a million dollars. I could never make that money. I cannot reasonably predict what's going to happen when I have a pizza. Now, pizza has tomatoes on it. Why is it different? Because there's something different ingredient-wise in a pizza that includes a tomato than a pure tomato. And that's what I have to discover. And the last thing I just want to say, there is a difference between abstinence and a food plan. When I ask someone what their absence is, they, also, they often tell me what they have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's not what it is. Abstinence is what are those foods, those ingredients, and those behaviors that you have to abstain from because they create the phenomenon of craving. Your food plan is your limits and boundaries around the foods that you do eat. And that is something that is different that comes from a medical professional. We need to know what our allergy is. It creates a phenomenon of craving. Understand it never happens in the average temperance drinker, and we can never safely use those foods in any form at all. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Uh, before you go, Ida, I just want anyone who got on late to know we read the first paragraph on XXVIII in the doctor's opinion. Ida A. Hi, good morning, everyone. Thank you all for being here. Sorry, I got I'm on here. Late. Read that again, Heidi. please. Just... Hi, good morning. Um, Ida here. Grateful ahead, compulsive Ida. overeater from Northern British Columbia. Grateful for all of you here, wherever you are in recovery. And I just want to share my gratitude for so many of you daily talking about surrender, daily talking about the paragraph that's been read. So daily talking about precisely how that jumped out at me today, that these allergic types, and yep, that's me. I'm a we in this program, but I am one of these allergic types. And left to my own devices, I was always taken out by food. So to see that I can never safely use my alcoholic foods, ding, 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 that's absolutely right. And so I know today by listening to all of you, I have to set aside everything every day because left to my own devices, I go down a different path. And every day that I call in here, it's like a sacred gift. It is a sacred gift. And because of this morning visionary line, uh, the phone meetings, I have found a spiritual practice that I can do as though my life depends on it because as it turns out, my life does depend on it. So 
So bless you all for being here. I will show up when I'm in town, um, call in and be gifted every day. And any of you still out there eating, this is amazing. This big book sat on my shelf for years and it talks to me out loud because of all of you. Bless you for being here. I pass. Thanks, Ida A. Nancy R. Uh, thank you so very much for your service. <laughs> thank you uh, for giving me an opportunity to share. Uh, one thing I really appreciate uh, about uh, finding visions for you is that it has really honed into me that I am different from the, it says, the average temperate uh, drinker or the average temperate eater. And what is that? It's someone who eats in moderation, uh, who has, con- you know, control over what they eat. And what I like to observe <laughs> when I go out to eat, on um, Wednesdays, my husband and I go out to eat, and there's a couple, two couples that sit adjacent to us usually every week. And I just find it utterly fascinating. This lady is, uh, gets her food, gets a lot of my favorite binge foods, and, um, Sometimes it takes her seven attempts before she gets the food into her mouth. She'll, she'll, she'll take the fork up, and then she'll start talking and put the fork down, and uh, she'll pick the fork up again, and she'll uh, start talking again, just holding this fork with foods that I used to live for. And uh, uh, I just smile because today I understand that food is not doing for her what it, what it would do for me, you know. Uh, she, she, and, and usually when she leaves, her plate is, is sometimes three-fourths filled or half-filled. She never cleans her plate. So um, I'm not that person. That is not me. I'm in the category of, of a person who has an allergy to certain foods, and if I eat them, it sets off the phenomena of craving. I'm not moderate. I can't control it. And so I'm so grateful today that I understand that. I've had enough experiments. You know, for years I tried to eat a little of my binge foods. I tried to eat them uh, with sugar-free sweeteners. I tried to eat them this way, that way. And today I yield. Today I, I, I just recognize that those foods that set up the phenomena of cravings are foods that <laughs> I give up life if I choose to eat them. And today I choose life. I choose life. In the past, I didn't know how not to eat them. I would try. But this uh, 12-step program has given me the tools that I can live life free of those foods. And the bonuses, once I recover, I have no desire for them. It's like it's like desiring arsenic or desiring poisonous. And only a power greater than myself can do this for me because I tried every conceivable method to fix, manage, and control. Um, so thank you for letting me share, and I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy R. Candy S. Candy S. Star one to unmute. Okay, um, 
I'll try Candy again in a little bit. Christina O, are you available? Hi, this is Christina O in Maynard, Massachusetts. Uh, I don't usually share very much, but um, I was moved to do so today because learning about the allergy and the craving was the key to me becoming abstinent and um, and then going on to work the 12 steps and becoming recovered. And I just wanted to say that, like everyone else who shared, it it was um, a monumental change in my in my thinking and my feeling and my being when I realized that um, there were substances that I craved, and since uh, uh, eliminating them from my diet, I have no cravings, and I find that I can eat my food plan without. Um, with, with relish because I'm not going to be craving anything. And it, it just has um, the metamorphosis in my life over this past year since I came in in last February uh, to Vision has been just extraordinary, and I am so, so grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Christina O. Candy F., are you on the line? We couldn't hear you before. Can you hear me? Yeah, is this Candy? <laughs> yes, I was pushing All one right. star. <laughs> oh, I'm well, you it out. Go right yes. ahead. I'm brand new to the program, and I missed the beginning where I was supposed to tell everyone that I was new. But listening to all of you describe what is in the paragraph. I can relate to that so much, and like the lady that talked about the other lady putting the fork down every few minutes, I just can't imagine that. I'd want to go over there and tell her, are you going to eat that? <laughs> but it's, I don't know, I'm I'm finding it very helpful. I've only been in a week. Um, I have a sponsor. Um, I'm getting mixed up on our time zones, so tomorrow I will get it right. But I just want to thank you all for sharing. I'm getting so much out of this, Um, and I'll pass. Thank you, Candy F. Candy, uh, you did not miss the opportunity to introduce yourself as a newcomer. That comes after uh, this meeting at um, 10 before 8 uh, or 5 before 8 um, Eastern time. And uh, you press star 1 to mute your phone again. Thank you for sharing. Okay. Um, Just a reminder, we read the first paragraph on XXVIII. It began with We Believe and So Suggestive. Who else would like to share on that paragraph? from... Katie G. from okay. Boston. I heard Lisa B. Is that correct? And I heard Lisa G. And I heard Leia M. I'm sorry. You know, I think I'm going to remember, and then I don't. But I did hear Kelly because I wrote her name down, and I heard Leia. Nicole and P. if you want to try again, you could. Well, Melissa C. 
Oh yeah, Nancy Melissa P. C and uh, Russ M. Melissa C. Nancy and P. Russ M. This is Raquel. Okay, so mm, Raquel, I heard your name, but there Thank was someone you. else. Nancy I don't P. know. Ruby Nancy P. P. Okay. Who P? Nancy P. Yeah, Nancy P. I got. Was there another one with P? Nicole C. No. Nicole C. Okay. I don't even know if we'll get to all of you. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's probably not enough time. So, um, Lisa B., go right ahead. Oh, good morning, Rebecca. Thank you so much for your service. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And um, this reading is so powerful for me. It takes me back to the very first time I came on this line. I had never heard um, such clarity in a share for an um, an OA meeting, and um, it, it was just profound. It really knocked me on my butt. <laughs> um, so my illness is like always minimizing, 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 and I lived in that hallway of just minimizing this illness um, because maybe I didn't have a lot of manifestation showing on my outward body, but that was just a matter of time. I do believe there is a 600-pound compulsive overeater inside of me. But it's so subtle. And I needed to hear the clarity of this message of entire abstinence and um, about the allergy. And I just felt led to share about Dr. Bob that we read about him in the forward to the second edition. He had a very clear working knowledge of spirituality, but he was never able to get recovered. It wasn't until he met the stockbroker, Bill, and Bill had been educated, gratefully so, for all of us from Dr. Silkworth of the allergy of the body and the hopelessness. And once Dr. Bob got that understanding, he was unable to work with the spiritual remedy that's given to us like never before, and get recovered and stay recovered. I need to be reminded that this book tells me I can have permanent recovery. I don't have to continually relapse. I don't have to go to the very, very bottom, desperate bottom of the bottom of the ocean, which is what I knew was going to happen to me if I did not take the crossroads that was given to me when I was led to vision for you. I really had that knowing that a binge was going to come on me like I have never experienced before that would truly sink me to the bottom of the ocean, that I would not even recognize what was happening. And I grabbed on to this, and that's what was missing from me because I had a spiritual understanding. I had a spiritual experience when I was 16 that stayed with me. But I did not have a clear understanding, unwavering, black and white clarity of entire abstinence. And I needed the strong personalities of some of the people that have talked on the podcast, like Ruth M., Entire Abstinence, May 4th, 2014. I needed to hear other recovered fellows share their experience that because I didn't have the weight to show that I was dying inside. The subtlety of this illness today is still with me. That's why I need to hear every day what you guys have to say. I need to work like my life depends on it with other sick and suffering compulsive overeaters that share the same step one experience, the same depth of desperation and urgency, you know. So I just I just wanted to share that I'm so grateful to be here. And my life today is a happy life because of the spiritual remedy of these steps. And my family benefits from it because of these steps. And I'm I'm just 
thrilled to be recovered. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. Katie G. Rebecca, did you say Katie G? I did. Good morning, Katie. I was unmuting the entire time. Good morning, friends and family. Katie G recovered in Boston. Love the messages that I'm hearing. And and one of the messages that I was taught by a recovered uh, alcoholic, actually, was this part about their reliance upon things human. Their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. Um, I shared last week when I was in relapse, I remember saying to my sponsor, like, I don't even know how to take a step. I don't even know how to breathe. And so this person gave me this image of we're like driving um, a station wagon, right? And every time a problem comes, I throw it in the back seat. I throw it in the back seat. A bill, a relationship, I'm throwing it all in the back seat. And eventually, like, the butt or the trunk or whatever it is of the of the um, station wagon gets so heavy, it's filled with all these problems, right? So then I get abstinent, and my life starts to clean up because I actually show up on time at work. I actually pay my bills because I'm like cognitively prepared to pay my bills. But what that doesn't mean is that my life problems are astonishingly easy to solve. Because they are, but I'm not the solver. And I can't be reliant on human powers. You know, a sponsor of mine said to me, her job was to bring me to the problem solver. And so in a state of abstinence, my life cleans up. And even though I'm feeling like, hey, look better, work better, having a better time, you know, I'm in a thin body now. I, you know, I don't need 10 sizes. My life is still unmanageable. And I missed that. I thought if I just became, a, you know, a born-again Christian, an Orthodox Jewish woman, like I just, I pursued everything because I believed the lie that as an abstinent woman, my problems would, would solve themselves. As a thin woman, I would get blonde hair, I would get you-know-what, and I would get a boyfriend, right? Like, I, like my life would be solvable. You know, and in a state of a recovered woman today, I can still believe that. Like, hey, I'm recovered. Why is life happening? What, what's going on? Um, I'm recovered today. Don't you know that I attended Vision for You and I showed up five minutes early and I did service? What's going on? You know, and the reality is life happens whether I'm eating or not, I get older, whether I'm eating or not, you know, whether I'm abstinent or not, whether I'm recovered or not, what being in a state of entire abstinence and recovered body just for today means that anything that life hands to me, I can hand over to my problem solver, God, and it will solve. And I, and I want to live, and that is the miracle. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie G. Kelly, and remind us your initial. Thanks, Rebecca. It's Kelly S. in Oklahoma. Covered. As in Sam. Grateful. As in Sam. Yeah. Thanks, Kelly. Okay. Yeah, thank you for your service. Um, Just wanting to share on this paragraph. It's amazing. Um, So uh, this took me forever to really, truly accept. You know, I've I've been on this program 30-something years. I've read this book. Um, I guess I'm hard-headed, you know. And I love that um, Kim G has always given us all kinds of really cool analogies. I'm very visual, so 
I'm going to steal from her one of mine that now that um, in my work field. So, you know, I see patients all the time and they have penicillin allergies. And um, so people don't say, you know, well, maybe I could try some penicillin this time, you know. And in fact, the crazy thing is most people say, oh, I don't know. My mom said I had an allergy uh, to penicillin when I was a kid and I don't really know what it is, but we better not try it. You know, but unlike them, I'm always like, well, maybe I could try it this time. Or, you know, I'll get ready to prescribe something and our computer will pull up and say, you know, that's not penicillin, but that's way too close to penicillin. Don't use it. Red flag, red flag. But here's me going, hmm, well, that's not really sugar. So maybe I could try it, right? So I've had to learn. I, what it came down to me is that conceding to my innermost self of this allergy, right, that these things trigger me. I have certain alcoholic foods. I have certain behaviors and I have quantity. Quantity sets me off. That's for sure. And I can never, ever safely use it again. And that is where I have to start because I cannot work this program a little bit drunk, you guys. I tried it for 30-something years. I tried to find all the little loopholes, all the little cracks, and it doesn't work. So I had to be willing to concede to my innermost self that I do have this allergy, that it does set up this phenomenon of craving, and I had to put those foods down 100%. So yeah, and, and you newcomers, glad you're here, and you're probably thinking, oh wow, well if I could have done that, why am I here, right? And also, and if this was the answer, if this was the solution, treatment centers would be you know, putting out winners, and I would be fixed, I wouldn't need this program. This is just the beginning. So I have to put the food down, and it's gonna tell me that I have to work the steps and so hang on because we're going to go on with this doctor's opinion. We're going to learn how to do that. But you know what? We've got to start here and we have to concede. And I had to concede. Grateful today that I finally realized I cannot safely use alcohol in any form at all. I put it down. I'm working the steps and recovered today for over three and a half years for the first time ever. Thanks to this program and this book and my concession to my innermost self. And oh my God, living my life today like I never thought possible. Glad to be here. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kelly S. Leah M. Thank you for your service. These alcoholic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. I didn't understand the grave nature of my illness. Um, until, you know, it beat me into a state of reasonableness and um, someone in whom the problems had been solved uh, gave me an education because I did not understand the depths to which this addiction was going to grab me by the roots of my hair and drag me around. I didn't understand the exact nature of my problem. Therefore, I didn't realize the seriousness of my condition and the urgency and necessity to follow these instructions. Uh, the big book and someone who re was recovered gave me that education. They taught me about Dr. William Silkworth, that he found that when an alcoholic took even a little bit of alcohol into his system, the switch went on inside his body, and there was only one thing that that alcoholic wanted to do, and that was to drink more and more and more alcohol, and he would continue to drink and drink, and of course he would end up getting drunk, and he was powerless over that once he, that, he took that drink and the switch turned on, and he had no choice but to continue to drink. And when I reviewed my eating history, I could identify with that experience. I could identify certain substances that had that same effect on me. 
just like alcohol has for the alcoholic. It wasn't just about taste sensation. When I ate certain foods, my body was triggered. Ding, 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 ding. Red lights going off, you know, the bumpers moving. Ding, 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 ding. And I would eat more and more of that food. I would stop feeling or thinking, numb out. (laughs) And I just acted by eating more and more until I was anesthetized, sedated, drunk with food. I learned certain foods had that same physical effect on me, a drug effect. And I had this problem. Now, I had had to learn that I had a problem much worse than that. But I had to understand and to fully accept that I have a body that responds abnormally to certain substances. And, of course, I have a mind that sends me back to those foods which are killing me. But the first thing I had to do was identify what those substances were. And I did that with the help of someone who understood my illness And I had to be as food sober as an alcoholic has to be sober. And that meant listing all those substances and those behaviors that triggered that. Because for me, certain substances is like taking a match and throwing it into a bucket of gasoline. Whoosh! I am biologically mandated. I have a chemistry. I am wired differently. My book says I am bodily and mentally different. All I had to do is look at my history, and I saw that very clearly. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Leah M. Melissa C., it's your turn. Hi. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your service this morning. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, you know, it's like, why is this such important information right now to get? Um because I can't apply the psychological measures necessary if I don't know that this is an allergy and I can't take it in any form. And, you know, um, for years I got my information from um, temperate eaters, you know, and I, and I got my information about how all my life, how it was okay to eat from temperate eaters. And, um, and I am bodily different from tempered eaters. You know, when I look at tempered eaters, yes, those are people who can, you know, take a bite and put the fork down. But um, sometimes tempered eaters overeat, and they um, can do it on holidays. They can do it on special occasions. They can even eat um, because they look, they're looking for an effect. They, they're, like, feeling stressed, so they eat. The problem, you know, what's different is they don't have the allergy, and so they can temper it they can then moderate and eat normal the next day. And I constantly wanted and constantly tried to be that temperate eater. It, to me, that looked like that was the right way to be in the world. But I have an allergy, and this was such important information for me to get, and and yet I needed to, like, relearn it for me over and over again because um, – You know, my allergy is not just to sugar. Like that seems, okay, that's that's good. But I was one of those that, you know, compulsively overate and said, but I'm not eating sugar, so I'm abstinent. Well, that's maybe I'm just not eating that particular substance that I'm allergic to, but I guess I'm one of the lucky ones. I have many physical allergies. I'm allergic to certain fat contents. 
you know, I'm allergic to certain um, grains. I'm allergic to other things as well. And I've come to find out that I also have the allergic to lookalike foods. So if it doesn't have my binge ingredients, but somehow combined together, it appears just like that special food, it does something to me as well. And um, and this was such important information for me to find out. And um, what happened for me at that point was I stopped looking to food for an effect at all. You know, there is no more recipes for me. Like, I don't need to make my food look lovely. It just needs to be nutrition. And then I can apply psychological measures. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Russ M. followed by Raquel E. Go ahead, Russ M. Good morning, Rebecca. Russ M. Republic Postal over here outside of Philly. Good morning, family. Um, you know, when I hear these these sentences here, I think like in 1996 or 97, I was out to eat. I can why I remember this, I don't know. I was out to eat with my guys from church and my buddy who's a priest and you know, I'm doing a job, right? And I look over, and he pushes his food away. He was done. He had, like, four forkfuls. And I know at that time there was something wrong with me, something I couldn't figure out. And it just stuck with me. It took me 40 years to figure out that I was sick, right? <laughs> it's another 20 years. But, uh, you know, that, that always stuck with me. You know, other people can eat that way, but I couldn't. And I knew I had issues with food. And... um uh, the uh, the other thing is, as I'm going through, you know, program, even now being close to two years uh, abstinent, you know, my my uh, food plan is not expanding. It's starting to reduce because, uh, you know, you, asking God to show me what I need to be doing here. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, I didn't realize were kicking off the allergy over the years. I mean, I third day haven't in the past two years. I'm just saying. You know, I'm not into the red light, green light, yellow light. I just, if it if it has certain ingredients, I ain't eating it. And I have to be anal about it because I don't want to go back to it and go back to, to the to the craziness, you know, that, you know, the person who I was. So but what, what, what I'm getting at is that you got to be vigilant with it. And, um, you know, we're just not like everyone else. So y'all have a good day. Love you. Thanks, Russ M. We love you, too. Raquel E. Raquel, star one to unmute. Hi. Hi, Rebecca. Can you hear me? Hi, Raquel. Yes. Good morning. Voice. Good morning. Well, wonderful, wonderful sharing. Um, and I... I uh, I knew what I what I wanted to share, but there's so many wonderful things coming up, and I get all different associations all the time. But this, these are the most important parts that that we can learn, and I cannot be express enough gratitude for all of you, my friends, being there and for vision for you to finally, after uh, uh, what uh, I should say about uh, 40 years of being in program, to finally understand this so well and clear, like somebody else said. So um, <clears throat> uh, the, 
the abstinence that is so, so important. And God gave it to me as such a gift, the, the removal of, of this, of, of the drug. But I cannot but help this sentence where it says, the, these allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. So for me, um, the mere act of chewing, it, it does something for me. Not even the getting high, whatever I'm chewing, because of my history with food, I, I cannot. For me, the best thing is to not bend my elbow and bring this stuff to my mouth. And I found this this wonderful thing in um, this this, this um, food addiction, vicious eating, and and we like visuals. So there is this this woman um, in front of a pile of donuts, sugar, a powdered sugar, white uh, coated donuts, and she's sniffing them like sniffing a drug. And it says, did you know that junk foods activate the same areas? in the brain as drugs of abuse, like cocaine, and it's true, and then it gives some proof. But for me, the mere act of chewing used to do that. So for me, it's the club 301, the, the three meals a day, zero in between, one day at a time. But what I found out now that I'm, I have like 10 years of this kind of abstinence with God's grace and mercy, but I find now that what Ruth really said uh, in, in 2012 and 14 that she said about two deaths, that there's the death of food as I knew it, and now dealing with the death of self as I knew it, that the dealing with character defects, the food like a Sunday school picnic in comparison to that. The fear, resentment, whatever the things that, that made my life impossible to start with, that food only got time, made it even worse. Uh, thank you for the reminder. So, but in the, uh, the Alcoholics uh, Meditation book, the 24 hours a day, I find things that help me see this as life or death exactly as food is for me. So that's what I'm working on now. But this is very, very good, what we're doing now. And I, I, I wish we could stay on it for about three, four more sessions. Thank you so much for letting me share, Rebecca. And, and good afternoon. Recovery to all. I guess. Thank you, Raquel E. Nancy P. Hi, thank you for letting me share. Um, yeah, I, I didn't even know that I was a type. I just knew that I was different, and I never quite fit in. I grew up in a neighborhood where I was different because of my religion, and I was reminded about how different I was a lot. And, um, you know, I was always, you know, my friends were all, like, skinny little things, and I felt like I was a house, and, you know, I just never knew. And then, and and. Believe me, I had ample opportunity to absorb this program, but I chose for some reason. I didn't choose, but I, I just didn't. And um, then, you know, fast forward after, you know, trying and trying and trying for years and years and years. Since I was 11, I've been in this program, um, never having any success except when I lived at home after college and my mother weighed and measured my food and packed all my meals and took care of me. Um, 
um, you know, I um, I never had any success. And, of course, since I didn't grow spiritually, I grew um, heavier, fatter, and more miserable. And um, so I listened, I, I started to listen to vision, and immediately, the as soon as I dialed in, I became abstinent, and the obsession was lifted. However, because I am this type, it's not enough for me to understand that I have a, an allergy of the body and obsession of the mind. That doesn't do it for me. What I need to remember that. I can't just know it. I need to remember it. And the only thing that helps me remember is daily work on these steps and daily, especially daily contact with other compulsive overeaters. You know, um, and that's why I've said often, and I still believe it, I believe it more every day, that if abstinence was all that I ever got, if a thin body was all that I ever got, it would have been way more than enough. But I, I need fellowship, and I need the right kind of fellowship. I actually had a sponsor once that I confessed that I broke my abstinence, and she actually said these words to me, why? Why do you do it? And, you know, I don't need anybody's help to feel bad about myself. So why would I be able to, you know, bond with someone like that? Why would I be able to bond with the fellows around her that were just like her? So it took me a long time to get to where I am today, and, you know, not by my hand, trust me. And, um, you know, if abstinence was all that I got, it would have been way more than enough, because, right, why do I do it? Why? Why do I do it? What's wrong with you? Um, I never could get past that. I was so ashamed. And, um, and today I have people that, you know, when I say to my own sponsees, if they break their abstinence, you're not bad, you're ill. And I need to hear that from other people in a loving way that accepts me no matter what. And um, this is what I find in these, in these halls, you know, these virtual halls. You know, that's what I find is acceptance and fellowship and support. Fine. And, um, and I try to give that to anybody that I come in contact with. And thank you so much for letting me share with that. I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. Nicole C., we have a little bit of time for you. <laughs> You will be our last person to share. Good morning, Good morning Nicole this C. Is Nicole C. in California. I'm a compulsive eater. I love what we read. I love the doctor's opinion. It's really freeing for me. I can't eat certain foods the way other people can eat them. Some of them they have ingredients, and some of them they have a certain texture. And when I eat it, something different happens to me that doesn't happen to other people that I see eating those foods with impunity. And unfortunately, if I don't accept that, I'm just going to keep hurting myself and hurting myself and hurting myself. But when I actually can accept that what happens to me isn't what happens to my neighbor or the other person that I'm seeing eat these foods, I get I get to be free. You know, I just loved what I heard at the beginning of the call about that lady watching her friend with the fork talk and put it down and talk and put it down. I mean, I was, I was in that moment frustrated for that person because I've seen that so many times where a food that I don't react normally to, um, I see other people just having too, and then they don't even think about it. They're moving on with the rest of their lives. And I'm sitting there thinking about why they had to put it down. And it's just a waste. It's a waste of a perfectly good um, resource. And um, having the phenomenon of craving is um, just absolute torture. It's absolute torture. It's much easier if I just don't don't put those things 
in my body. And the last thing that I'll share is I heard someone funny about the shellfish. They go on these business trips and their friend has an allergy to shellfish. And when they go on these business trips, no one at the table ever says, are you sure you just can't have shrimp? Like no one um, into thinking they can have more shellfish, right? But it's so funny because when I predict to sugar or something, people do say, oh, are you sure you can't just have one? And I don't know why we have that different perception of the allergy there because maybe it's just a different manifestation. Um, but I can't, I can't have just one, never have, never will. I completely accept that to my inner core, and it's what allows me to be of maximum usefulness to God and my fellows because I'm not killing myself or harming myself with food today. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Nicole C. Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Tuesday, January 8th, 2019, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is... 12,392. That's 12392. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Vinnie T. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Am I being heard? Yes, good morning, Vinny T. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, thank you all for uh, your service and shares today and for allowing me to do this service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road to happy of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.